Section 12 of Three Elephant Power and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas, Melbourne, Australia. Three Elephant Power and Other Stories by Andrew Barton Patterson. Sitting in Judgment. The show ring was a circular enclosure of about four acres, with a spiked batten fence round it, and a listless crowd of backcountry settlers propped along the fence. Behind them were the sheds for produce, and the machinery sections where steam threshers and earth scoops hummed and buzzed and thundered unnoticed. Crowds of sightseers wandered past the cattle stalls to gape at the fat bullocks. Sideshows flourished. A blasé goose drew marbles out of a tin canister and a boxing showman displayed his muscles outside his tent, while his partner urged the youth of the district to come in and be thumped for the edification of the spectators. Suddenly a gate opened at the end of the show-ring, and horses, cattle, dogs, vehicles, motor-cars, and bicyclists crowded into the arena. This was the general parade, but it would have been better described as a general chaos. Trotting horses and ponies, in harness, went whirling round the ring, every horse and every driver fully certain that every eye was fixed on them. The horses, the vainest creatures in the world, arching their necks and lifting their feet, whizzed past in bewildering succession, till the onlookers grew giddy. Inside the whirling circle, blood stallions stood on their hind legs, screaming defiance to the world at large. Great, shaggy-fronted bulls, with dull, vindictive eyes, paced along, looking as though they were trying to remember who it was that struck them last. A showground bull always seems to be nursing a grievance. Mixed up with the stallions and bulls were dogs and donkeys. The dogs were led by attendants, apparently selected on the principle of the larger the dog, the smaller the custodian while the donkeys were the only creatures unmoved by their surroundings, for they slept peaceably through the procession, occasionally waking up to bray their sense of boredom. In the centre of the ring, a few lady riders, stern-featured women for the most part, were being judged by a trembling official who feared to look them in the face, but hurriedly and apologetically examined horses and saddles, whispered his award to the stewards, and fled at top speed to the official stand, his sanctuary from the fury of spurned beauty the defeated ladies immediately began to perform that is to ask the universe at large whether any one had ever heard the like of that but the stewards strategically slipped away and the injured innocents had no resource left but to ride haughtily round the ring glaring defiance at the spectators all this time stewards and committee men were wandering among the competition trying to find the animals for judgment the clerk of the ring a huge man on a small cob galloped round, roaring like a bull. "'This way for the fourteen-stone axe! Come on, you twelve-and ponies!' And by degrees various classes got judged, and dispersed grumbling. When the bulls filed out with their grievances still unsettled, the lady riders were persuaded to withdraw, and the clerk of the ring sent a sonorous bellow across the ground. "'Where's the jumpin' judges?' From the official stand came a brisk, dark-faced, wiry little man. He had been a steeplechase rider and a trainer in his time. Long experience of that tricky animal, the horse, had made him reserved and slow to express an opinion. He mounted the table and produced a notebook. From the bar of the booth came a large, hairy, red-faced man, whose face showed fatuous self-complacency. 
he was a noted show judge because he refused on principle to listen to others opinions or in those rare cases when he did only to eject a scornful contradiction the third judge was a local squatter who was overwhelmed with a sense of his own importance they seated themselves on a raised platform in the centre of the ring and held consultation the small dark man produced his notebook i always keep a scale of points he said give him so many points for each fence then give him so many for make shape and quality and so many for the way they jump the fat man looked infinite contempt i never want any scale of points he said one look at the horses is enough for me a man that judges by points ain't a judge at all i reckon what do you think he went on turning to the squatter do you go by points never said the squatter firmly which as he had never judged before in his life was strictly true well we'll each go our own way said the little man i'll keep points send em in number one conductor roared the ring steward in a voice like thunder and a long-legged grey horse came trotting into the ring and sidled about uneasily his rider pointed him for the first jump and went at it at a terrific pace nearing the fence the horse made a wild spring and cleared it by feet while the crowd yelled applause at the second jump he raced right under the obstacle propped dead and rose in the air with a leap like a goat while the crowd yelled their delight again and said my oath ain't he clever as he neared the third fence he shifted about uneasily and finally took it at an angle clearing a wholly unnecessary thirty feet again the hurricane of cheers broke out don't he fly him said one man waving his hat at the last fence he made his spring yards too soon his forelegs got over all right but his hind legs dropped on the rail with a sounding rap and he left a little tuft of hair sticking on it i like to see em feel their fences said the fat man i had a bay horse once and he felt every fence he ever jumped shows their confidence i think he'll feel that last one for a while said the little dark man what's this now number two homeward bound an old solid chestnut horse came out and cantered up to each jump clearing them coolly and methodically the crowd was not struck by the performance and the fat man said no pace but surreptitiously made two strokes to indicate number two on the cuff of his shirt number eleven spite this was a leggy weedy chestnut half racehorse half nondescript ridden by a terrified amateur who went at the fence with a white set face the horse raced up to the fence and stopped dead amid the jeers of the crowd the rider let daylight into him with his spurs and rushed him at it again this time he got over round he went clouting some fences with his front legs others with his hind legs the crowd jeered but the fat man from a sheer spirit of opposition said that would be a good horse if he was rode better and the squatter remarked yes he belongs to a young feller just near me i've seen him jump splendidly out in the bush over brush fences the little dark man said nothing but made a note in his book number twelve gaslight now you'll see a horse said the fat man i've judged this horse in twenty different shows and give him first prize every time gaslight turned out to be a fiddle-headed heavy-shouldered brute whose long experience of jumping in shows where they give points for pace as if the affair was a steeplechase had taught him to get the business over as quickly as he could 
he went thundering round the ring, pulling double, and standing off his fences in a style that would infallibly bring him to grief if following hounds across roads or through broken timber. "'Now,' said the fat man, "'that's a hunter, that is. What I say is, when you come to judge at a show, pick out the horse you'd soonest be on if Ned Kelly was after you, and then you have the best hunter.' The little man did not reply, but made the usual scrawl in his book, while the squatter hastened to agree with the fat man. "'I like to see a bit of pace myself,' he ventured. The fat man sat on him heavily. "'You don't call that pace, do you?' he said. "'He was going dead slow!' Various other competitors did their turn round the ring, some propping and bucking over the jumps, others rushing and tearing at their fences. Not one jumped as a hunter should. Some got themselves into difficulties by changing feet or misjudging the distance, and were loudly applauded by the crowd for cleverness in getting themselves out of the difficulties they had themselves created. A couple of rounds narrowed the competitors down to a few, and the task of deciding was entered on. "'I have kept a record,' said the little man, "'of how they jumped each fence, and I give them points for style of jumping, and for their make and shape and hunting qualities. The way I bring it out is that homeward bound is the best.' with Gaslight second. "'Homeward bound?' said the fat man. "'Why, the pace he went wouldn't head a duck. He didn't go as fast as a Chinaman could trot with two baskets of stones. I want to have three of them in to have another look at him.' Here he looked surreptitiously at his cuff, and saw a note, number one one, mistook it for number eleven, and said, "'I want number eleven to go another round.' The leggy, weedy chestnut, with the terrified amateur up, came sidling and snorting out into the ring. The fat man looked at him with scorn. "'What is that fiddle-headed brute doing in the ring?' he said. "'Why?' said the ring steward. "'You said you wanted him.' "'Well,' said the fat man, "'if I said I wanted him, I do want him. Let him go the round.' The terrified amateur went at his fences with the rashness of despair, and narrowly escaped being clouted off on two occasions. This put the fat man in a quandary. He had kept no record, and all the horses were jumbled up in his head. But he had one fixed idea, to give the first prize to Gaslight, and as to the second he was open to argument. From sheer contrariness he said that number eleven would be all right if he were rode better, and the squatter agreed. The little man was overruled, and the prizes went Gaslight first, Spite second, Homeward Bound third. The crowd hooted loudly as Spite's rider came round with the second ribbon, and small boys suggested to the fat judge in shrill tones that he ought to boil his head. The fat man stalked majestically into the steward's stand, and, on being asked how he came to give Spite the second prize, remarked oracularly, I judge the horse, I don't judge the rider. This silenced criticism, and everyone adjourned to have a drink. Over the flowing bowl, the fat man said, You see, I don't believe in this nonsense about points. I can judge them without that. Twenty dissatisfied competitors vowed they would never bring another horse there in their lives. Gaslight's owner said, Blimey, I knew it'd be all right with old Billy judging. He knows this horse. End of section 12